This 4th of July, as we go about our activities with family and friends, we should all take some time to reflect upon the true significance of the holiday. Yes, it's a celebration of our country's declaration of independence from Great Britain, but it is much more than that. It's a celebration of an idea that was revolutionary then and unfortunately is still considered revolutionary by many today. The Declaration of Independence boldly states, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute a new government. This revolutionary declaration is the foundation of American political thought and has inspired millions around the world for the 235 years since Thomas Jefferson wrote it. The common view at the time was that rights were granted by the government to the people. Instead, Jefferson declared there is a higher law, unalienable rights, that every human has by their mere existence. Government only has those powers granted to it by the people to protect these natural rights. Unfortunately today, it seems that many have rejected Jefferson's declaration and have returned to the antiquated idea of government supremacy. They define patriotism as supporting the government. Most disheartening of all are the discussions about the Constitution. Political commentators, major party politicians, and Supreme Court nominees talk about our constitutional rights as if the government were granting us our rights through the Constitution. Nothing could be farther from the truth. In the Constitution, the Founders again made it abundantly clear that all power comes from the people. The Constitution is a document where people have granted the government certain limited powers. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Benjamin Franklin said, They that can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. The author of this thoughtful, powerfully written piece, Mr. Jim Ronstadt, suggests that we take a moment this Fourth of July from our celebrations that we might reflect on the Founder's vision for America and how, if I might add, we ever let it get so far astray.
becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it and a happy Independence Day to all. Yes, it's Independence Day. It's not Fourth of July. Fourth of July is a day off of work and barbecuing and crap like that. But the true meaning is Independence Day because we fought for our independence. Our forefathers fought. They risked it all. Against Russia, right? It was was a Russia collusion thing. So, I got a couple housekeeping things, but it's going to wait because I'm really excited. One of our sponsors, Dr. Brian Tans from NewYorkSmile.com, shameless plug there, was on a flight to Aruba, and he sat next to this gentleman, and his name is Vito Trousi, and he's 94 years old, and he is a World War II veteran. So, so to celebrate our independence, what better way than to have this warrior on the show from the greatest generation? Vito, welcome to Gun For Hire Radio, sir. Thank you very much for introducing me, and it's very nice to hear from you. Nice. So he's new to the radio thing. He's a rock star in his own right. Uh, What years were you in uh, World War II? Well, let let me start from the beginning. Go ahead. I was born in uh, July 19, 1925. I'm going to be 94 years old in in about 20 more days. It's July 19th. Now we talk about war and everything like that, and... uh, I remember we have Independence Day. That's right. But today, uh, to me, when I go to speak on any station or anything, I always remember Memorial Day. Yes. Yeah. To me, the, for, uh, for a guy that's been in service, Memorial Day is the most sacred day. They're the guys that gave their life mm-hmm. so we could have the freedom that we have today. We have a, Fourth of July is coming up. It's a holiday. You go out there, but Memorial Day is more sacred than Fourth of July or any other uh, anything the government ever did. But, I agree with you. But I say Memorial Day. Remember the guys that give their life so we could have the freedom that we have today. God bless America. All right. I was born in July nineteen nineteen twenty-five. Then I I, uh, I went to high school. I lived in Carlson. I was born in Carlson on a kitchen table. I was born in Carlson on the kitchen table. Wow. Then I grew up over there, and what happened? I went to East Rutherford High School. Well, I was wor- working in the, I was in East Rutherford High School, and and I was I got there in 1940. I graduated gra- grammar school, and what happened? The war broke out, and I turned to be 18. So I'm going to school, and what happened? I went to the principal because I was going to get the. Uh, I'm going to go into service, and he asked me, Vito, if you want to stay in school, you could, or you want to go to war. Well, World War II was a different world than any guys. Everybody wanted to go. If you didn't go to war, you worked in a defense plant. Like I had brothers. They, I had three brothers. Two of them went, one in one in the Navy, 
when one in the army, the other one stood home because he had two children. Said he worked in a defense plant. That's how when I grew up. Now I was in high school, and the principal asked me, "Vito, you want to go to school? I'd stay in school." So I went to the service. I, so you I, didn't finish high school? No, I didn't finish high school. And what happened? Uh, I didn't finish high school. And what happened? The the day I got. I played a football. I was playing football for East Stratford High School, and on the the de- Saturday before I was going to go into the army, I played a football game in Lindhurst, and we beat Lindhurst, and I scored a touchdown. But then uh, on a Thursday, that was a Saturday. Thursday, I went to the service. I went to form. Uh, I went to uh, a place in Jersey. Then I went to New York, and then I went to. Fort McClellan, Alabama, and I had my training, and I was, went there to be an infantry man. Infantry in I, Alabama, yeah, in 18 Alabama, years old. 18 years old. Now, I had my training, and what happened, I went overseas, got on the Liberty ship, which, gone through the North Atlantic. Uh, these are the things i got to tell you. Talk to me. Uh, going through North they had submarines, the Germans had that. We were on, we went on ships and we had to go zigzag all the way across to the to North Atlantic. And what happened when we were there? The word come over to us and said that you're going to go to Africa. And me, I was so dumbfounded. Africa. Well, years ago we didn't have television. We didn't have a, we had a Tarzan. That we lived in Africa. And this was 1943? 1943. So you went from Stadt. now you're on a ship, and you're going to Africa. Africa. Now, I, for, after <laughs> okay. I first Fort McClellan, I had training. Then I had training in Fort McClellan, in uh, Africa. And then what happened, as, when they told me, I thought I'm going to see Tarzan, because it sounds silly and everything, because we didn't, I didn't have too much of an education. Sure, because, sure. You know, I, I didn't go to high school. I, I went there a couple of years, and that's not, you know. And then what happened, I found out Africa was good, you know. And, th- and there was no toss. There was this a show, right? So now I got to land in Naples, Italy. I'm going up the coast and everything. I fought in Monte Cassino and Anzio. As I went up there, and uh, I, I, this was on the... We we did a lot of fighting over there, and at one time I was up the front lines for about for about five times. I was up there and going back for rest. I went to Rome for rest one one time, and then I came back again. Then we moved the armies to the central part of Italy, and, uh, near Florence. And Florence, we fought up in the mountains over there. And I was a scout. A scout is a guy to go out there and to see where the enemy is. And me and another fella were out front. We were about two, three hundred yards away from them. And the, uh, the companies were behind us. And what happened, when we got a certain point, the, the Germans had machine guns crossfire at the guys behind us. Now, they were killing these guys. And me and this other guy had, we went to a farmhouse nearby. And we stood there from, from about 10 o'clock in the morning to till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they threw artillery mortars and all that stuff and we got we got captured by the Germans they knew where we were We they talked to us and everything like that they asked us all questions and what happened They uh, they after we finished they were going to take us out I guess to kill us because there was only two prisoners the rest were killed and this and that and what happened 
they, a truck came by, they, they talked, and then they put me on a truck with this other guy, and we went to Bologna and Italy, and northern part of Italy. And we stood there one night, and the next day they put us in boxcars. These boxcars were full of, the, the boxcars in the United States are small, I mean uh, uh, big. The boxcars in, Ger in Germany and uh, overseas were small. They used to put 60 guys in, a, in, a, in, a, in one of these uh, things, right? And what happened, as we were leaving, the, they had airplanes that, uh, flying overhead, fighter planes. And as we were gone, the Germans stopped the train. They ran off away from the train. We were all in, the, in, the, in this uh, uh, boxcars, and they strafed the trains. Now, when they strafed the trains, guys got killed. Guys got hurt, that, but the doors were locked. You couldn't get out. You can't do nothing until the, the, the planes went away. The Germans opened up the doors and took the, the dead people out. And then, then we went on to uh, Germany. And I went, about three days and three nights, we slept in the uh, boxcars. Then we got into uh, Stalag 7A in Germany. Now, when we got over there, they, they, uh, they asked us, uh, we, 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 we had other German guards ask us questions and that. Now, my name is Vito, and at that end, we had some German guys, and they were beating up these guys up, and I asked what, what's happening. They said, because I was only 18 years old, I didn't know anything, and they said they're beating them up, and I said, well, if he's Italian, and my name is Vito, they know I'm Italian, they might beat me up, and I was afraid, right? So what happened? Uh, Everything worked. Then ha nothing happened. The next day, they told us we had to learn a number, and the number was 909 and That was my number. That when they went on a job, and you worked with a guy, he would have maybe 20 guys work, but about 20 times a day, they would go over the roster to see who's there. If you weren't there. They would, they would go and look for you, if not. So one day I had, tr I can't, I don't want to say, but I had to go to bathroom bed. And what happened? I asked the guard that I have to go to bathroom. So he said, okay. So I went, and what happened? And they changed the guard, and he forgot to tell the guy that I was missing. And what happened? They, he called out the name, and my name wasn't mentioned or anything. So they told me they went and looked for me. They got me and they beat me up, right? This happened twice when I was a prisoner of war. Oh, when I got over there, I was a prisoner of war and I worked in Munich. Then I used to kind of go on boxcars from from Munich, from from the uh, prison camp to Munich. And what happened? We used to work there. We used to get up five o'clock in the morning. We get home at eleven o'clock at night, and then we go to keep going there. Then they got it so they were bombing. Uh, Munich a lot of times so instead of us stay, going back and forth they let us stay in Munich now when we were in Munich they were bombing them now we, we were in shelters we got out so they let us go into air raid shelters sometimes they let us stay outside we didn't know what to do they sat inside and they, they, they told us what to do and you had to do what you do because when you're a prisoner of war you lose your freedom you ain't got nothing to say, no matter what you say, you're wrong. 
and I, you had to protect yourself at all. I got beat up a lot of times. I worked hard, but I knew what I was doing. I was young, but the worst thing in the war is when you see your friends get killed and guys that are old that talk about their children. And, and I was young, and I, I, it bothered me a lot of times, but I tried to help a lot of guys out. But I was there, and what happened? We, the, there was guys that I knew that were prisoners of war, and whatever from my town. And when I was in a prison camp, the guys from Berlin were going to come down to the where my uh, uh, the Stalag Seven A. They came down, and what happened? We had to get out of there. So 300 Americans went to a farmhouse, and there was a big barn over there, and we stood there. But what happened when we went to the farmhouse, they changed the guards because the airplanes were coming by, and what happened, they seen that we, they let us put POW on, the, we were prisoners of war, they put POW on the roof, and they would come by and find out that we come. That day, the Germans had a tank alarm, and they had a lot, uh, uh, another alarm, and they, we knew the tanks were coming. So on a Sunday morning, it was May the 2nd, the, I got, I was over there, and the, plane, the planes come over, and then they, they send all of these um, uh, uh, tanks. All, on the Sunday morning, ju uh, um, uh, on the 2nd of May, they came over the ridge, about 20 tanks came into a, where we were at this farmhouse, and they they took all our clothes off. They took care of us. They gave us food. So we stood there one day, and one what we did with one day, we went to, to get the uh, motorcycles because we were going to go to the war was uh, the war was still on, but we said we we're going to go to Paris, right? So we got the motorcycles and that, and uh, and we had the sidecar. And I didn't know how to drive because I was only 18 years old. And what happened was we got on the sidecar and we went from Stalag 7A to Paris, France. It took us six days to do this. And every night when we slept someplace, one guy would stay awake for, because the war was still on. And, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, and the French were there and everything like that. And uh, what, what happened, we, we were worried about sleeping. One guy would stay awake, and the other guy sleeping, right? And then we went to we went to Paris, France. We got there on May 8th, the day the war ended. Wow. Because we captured, on, uh, liberated on May 2nd. May 8th, we got in Paris, and what happened? The war ended in the afternoon, and we had a great time. I stood there in Paris for two weeks, but I never tell my daughters, why I was in Paris to do <laughs> You don't talk about Paris if you're in Paris. What happens in Paris stays <laughs> in Paris. stays in Paris. Because there's a lot of things I could say, but I can't say it. What did you weigh back then after uh, that well, ordeal? Oh, yeah. Now, let, let me talk. Go when ahead. I was in prison, I, I, when I was in high school, I was 165, right? I went into I went to service. Now, when I got ca captured, I was 165. I lost 30 pounds. 35 pounds because I was 130 when I got out of prison. Wow. Now, I was I was getting food to eat and everything like that, and uh, I came home. 
when I came home from the war, my town of Colossa treated me like a king. I came home, and our town of Colossa, we had eight guys that were prisoners of war, and in our town of Colossa, there was five guys that got killed in World War II. The guy next door to me, Dolly Mastrioni, I never forget his name, he got killed in the war. Another guy named Peter Rasmus, they named a, and 17 in Carlson, they named a, a baseball field yes. after him. And he was my friend, and I played baseball. And if he lived today, he would have been a baseball player, a big league baseball player. Now, when we came home, we had, I ate, and my mother found out that when I was in prison, they found out I was first. Uh, MIA? Uh, MIA. Yes. Then, after a while, they let him know. But she said when she found out I was prisoner of war, she said, I'm going to raise chickens. So she raised 60 chickens. I came home from the war. I was eating chicken every day. My <laughs> friends, we would go out to eat, and I would gain and weight, gain and weight. So guess what happened? I went back to the Army after two months, and I weighed 219 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> I ate like, no, you've never seen a guy eat. I still eat good. Even, not, even though I'm old, I eat good too. But wait, so you 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 were active duty, you became a MIA prisoner of war. Then you got released, and then you had to go back into well, the army. Well, now now I they sent me two weeks to Atlantic City. Now they give me tri a trip to go to Fort Ord, California. Fort Ord, California. What the Pacific War was still on. Ah. And I think because I was in that war, they're going to send me over there. Uh. And when I got to or Fort Ord, California. I went to the command post. I said, "Look, I ain't going to go. I don't give a damn what you do. I ain't going to go." No, you did if your I time. I get captured there over there now. I said, "I ain't going to." No, no, don't worry about it. you're in charge of a hunt. You let those guys go. You just stay over here. Well, I had a great time. Then after a while, I'm coming home, and when I was coming home, the president of the United States said, "All prisoners of the war will be automatically discharged." Ah. Because they went. Was that Eisenhower? 20. Eisenhower. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everything is uh, they they uh, get discharged. So I went back and I got discharged on December eighth, nineteen forty-five. Wow. And then when uh, then then after a while when I came home, now the war is ended. I come home, and we had a party. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people in town. I knew everybody in the town. We ate by my father, my brother owned the place, Vic Cooper's in Carlston. And we ate over there. And I gained all this weight and everything <laughs> like that. And, and then now, as time went by, I got a little older. I, 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 I was going to get married, right? And what happened? I, I went out in education. I went, the Army let me go to school. But I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to go to school that because too much for me to, 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 to read and everything like that. So I said, I'll go to work. I went to work. Before I got married, I bought a house, and I worked for two jobs, 20 years. Two jobs. I worked East Stratford Syringe, and I worked in, in Magnavox Television. I did work from, from 7 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock midnight for 20 years. People think that's uh, it, it can't do. Don't tell me what I did and what I didn't do. And this is the truth. And another thing, too, I always say this. You know, people don't believe everything you say. And everything. Now, would you believe that when I worked in East Hartford Syringe, the, we didn't make much money. We worked hard. But 
for five cents we went on strike for five cents five an cent. hour we're going to take a break yeah come right back thank you sir for your service my god what a story share this with everybody I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. And what better way to say I love you than giving the ones you love a gift to keep them safe? Lipstick Bodyguard. It looks just like a beautiful little lipstick, but just like a beautiful woman, it has the power to bring a grown man to his knees. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Just follow the link on the GunForHireRadio.com homepage. Okay, we're back. Couple of things. Guess what? Mark Cheeseman's case got a docket number before the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. Now we have three carry cases waiting for the Supremes to make a decision. David Jensen is the lead attorney in this. Mark is doing this all on his own. Please go to the Cheeseman GoFundMe page, gofundme.com forward slash restore dash carry dash NJ. Can you believe this? This guy's case is up there now with the big three. Mark, I can't even tell you how 
much I love you. Uh, keep it up. Uh, you too. Uh, what, what's his name? Gillard over there. I still love you too. And Jay Factor, of course, because I don't want him to put me in a headlock. Uh, the the other thing I want to talk about is another 2A group in New Jersey, NJ2AS, uh, Alexander Rubian's group. They got a huge win with the state police. Uh, the state police has to give them the unredacted manual on what it requires to get a pistol permit, FID card, et cetera, et cetera, in New Jersey. They've been fighting this for about six or seven years. Started back with Frank, I believe, and Alexander took it over, and it's a huge win. They're going to be getting the unredacted manual, so we're going to be seeing what the state police is using. Uh, when they decide who gets a permit or not and what the proper procedures and protocol are. Why is this big? Because if you apply for a permit and the law says 30 days, this, that, another thing, whatever the little idiosyncrasies are, we will now have the manual to throw to police departments and the state police say, look, this is what it says. That's your job. I want my permits. I want my paperwork. I want my due process. I want what's legally right and what's legally entitled to me. So, big win on NJ2AS. Thank you so much. So, uh, real quick, you listen to this guy speak. He's going to talk in a couple more minutes. He's going to be 94 and uh, prisoner of war, MIA. He gained uh, 100 pounds when he came back. God bless him. Get beat up by the Germans every day. Part of the greatest generation ever. All right. And Dr. Brian Tanz is here. Brian, Doc, tell them real quick how, how you guys met. Just share the story with us, please. Because Victor's been sucking all the microphone time. We haven't gotten anybody to talk besides him. I thought you want me to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. God bless. On a recent ride to Aruba... I had the pleasure of having Vito next to me, and we quickly became friends. The plane ride was very quick. and All you guys did was speak? We spoke, and we talked. Well, we did spend a little bit of intimate time. Yeah, yes. it, it was great. It, it passed the time away good. It was a good guy. I, we talked. There's a lot of people that don't want to talk. And it's good that you talk because we learned a lot about each other. We shared a nice That's airplane right. meal together also. Right, right, very good. Well, we know he can eat. He's still making up for all the time he was a POW. I don't blame him. Yeah. He's got the best excuse right. in the world. All right, all that you're talking about eating, the best food I eat today is sh sh shrimp of diablo. If spicy. Wants, it's spicy. I put a little extra pepper in it, and it tastes great. That's what I have to say. And we were tr treated good on the plane. We had a very good time. No Italian food, though. No Italian food. They don't make good Italian food. No? No. But they in Aruba, they have a place. There's one that has a good. And that's it. So, Doc, so you met him. You, you approached me. You said, would you like to get a World War II vet on the show? He said that the guy had mostly all his marbles, because Victor keeps saying he's losing his marbles. But I am. I you're am. not. We just heard you talk for a half hour. You're not losing your marbles yet. I know people 23 years old that can't speak as well as you. I speak like I said it before. <laughs> no, you did great. So, Doc, so you, you hooked us up, and I thank you so much. Doc, real quick, give a plug for your business. And I mean, he's a gun for our alumni. He's been a That's member right. forever. If you could get me to talk to you, you could get other people to take care of them. Yes, tell, uh, tell right. us what you do and what your forte is. You're one of a uh, few people that can what do what you do. What is that forte? Forte? His yeah. specialty. You're well. not going to eat a forte. Everything is food with this veteran. <laughs> well. Everything is food. <laughs> you know, guess what I weigh now. Uh, 175. 165. Oh, okay. I lost 30 pounds of water. Really? You yeah. look good, though. 
Yeah, no, I feel lousy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, tell us before Victor takes over the microphone again, please. My practice is in New York City, Manhattan, Upper East Side, East 60s, and it's focused on the specialty of restorative dentistry known as prosthodontics. So what we mostly do is implant dentistry and more complex restorative dentistry. Like see see my teeth. Look what he did. His teeth are perfect. What's your website, Doc? Uh, drtans.com, drtans.com. And what about New York Smile? Also New York Smile. That's easier to remember. Tans reminds me of the Tasmanian Devil. Uh, I do. It's about a the Jersey Smile. The Jersey Smile. No, he's New York Smile. Well, he could have New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, he he likes to be. As in long New as you York. cross the bridge. He likes to be in New York because he what happens in New York stays in New York like Paris. <laughs> so, so Vito, so you you were, we're going to go on strike for five cent raise. Five cents a raise and these sharpened syringe. And people don't believe it. And when we had the strike, we didn't have much money, but I owned a Lincoln Zephyr, 12-cylinder Lincoln Zephyr. And 19, I remember those. 19, I forgot what year now. It was in the 40s. The 40s. It was a in the 40s as ever. Well, I had thing. I went to Florida to, to, to sell the car, me and a guy named Joey Bianchi. <laughs> we won the $400. They didn't give us anything. We loaded up with coconuts, grapefruits, everything like that, and we rode it. Home. It took us two weeks to come from Florida to New Jersey, and the only thing we passed up was the poles. That's all we passed. And when we got home, I gave the car to my brother, Trip. His name is Adolf, and he gave it, and he sold the car for twenty-five dollars. Years ago, things were cheap. Things weren't costing that much money, but we didn't have money, and that's why I am the way I am today. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm still it's here. Pretty good. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. So, you, so you're part of the greatest generation. You see what's going on in the world with the world today. Everybody's yeah. offended about everything, right? That's right. Nobody right. keeps the word. Does that bother you after fighting yeah. for our freedom yeah, to yes. see it happen? Remember this. Remember thy neighbors. Remember friends. When you're in the front lines, there's where you have friends, mm. and you always got to have a friend to help you out. It's the same thing over here in real life. You got to have friends. Get to know somebody. Be a friend. I knew a guy. He 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 died two years ago. He was 94 years old, and he died. And me and him were friends when we were born. He was born on the next a year before me on the block at, on his block. The next block I got a year later. I got we were friends from the time we were born till the day he passed away. And today, what I, what I say is. Remember, friends, you don't make, you make friends. You don't, you, when you have a friend that's like in the front lines, you got to have somebody to help you out. Watch your back. I watch your back. The guy watches you. You take, that's where friendship is. And remember why a guy, uh, I'm here mainly to talk about the service, about the guys that want you to talk about it. So I'm saying this, there's got, there's not like having freedom. I lost my freedom, and I, and I know, and, and it bothers me because people don't, when you see a serviceman, no matter what he does, give him a pat on the back. Yes. It does, not me anymore because it, I'm, I, I'm finished. But the guys, <laughs> the guys that are fighting today, that's doing a job, tell them to you'll enjoy that thing. And today, I still get people, old people, not too many young people, but old people that thank you for your service. I said, not me. Take the guys that are there now. 
guys out of fighting today so we could have the freedom to you, did you ever go to a place where you go to a store and you can't buy nothing because they wouldn't give you anything that's the way a prison is when you're in prison you don't do nothing you got it they'll tell you what to do and that's it and it's a shame there should be more people and if when you're in jail it's the worst thing you could have and freedom is the thing that we fight for and neighbors have like I have good neighbors where I live and there's not like having good neighbors that's just like having friends and if you got it yeah if you got a friend make a friend with somebody because there's not like a guy to patch on the back and stuff like that it's it doesn't cost you anything but it's good to be having friends and have your freedom let me tell you something that was a strong statement there I know that because I go up to every veteran. They come into the range on the street. Thank you for your service. I also buy, like, if I see two young uh, military personnel eating in a restaurant, I pick up their check. I just pay for their check, Vito, because I want to do something to help them. And you said the young people don't pat you on the back, mostly. Well, I'm not one of these guys that want to pat on the back and buy me lunch, but I'll take it. Yeah. But, but, I, but I was going to say, <laughs> I, it happened to me. Yes. I, I, I you know, first I go over there and says, with my daughter, we go out to eat, and I want to pay the check. And he said, the guy says, it's already paid for the guy over there paid for you. Yep. And what do you think I did? Went over there and thanked the guy. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's not me, but it's the guys that are there today to, 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 to do things to help you out. Without them, if they came in and this was a place where they, they took over, some people shoot themselves, ah. Yeah, because they, there's no respect. They don't no, appreciate no respect, right. They don't appreciate the sacrifices people made to get where we are today. They squander our freedom. It, doesn't, it isn't only the guys in the front lines. It's the guys that bring food to the guys. All the support. All anybody the, in the military. Anything in the military. They, they might not be shooting or fighting for that, but they're bringing food and ammunition for you. When I thank somebody for their service, I never ask them if they were a rifleman that's or right. if they were maintenance. I don't ask that. I just thank them for their service. Service. That's it. As long as you got a uniform on, and you should be proud to wear the uniform. I wear POW thing there, and I think it's not me. I'm not worried about me. I'm here. It's the guys that gave their life yes. as a prisoners of war that nobody knows about it. That's what happened. Like today, there's things that are happening we don't even know. I hate to say it. I don't know if I'm going to go to jail, but I was in prison, so it doesn't make any difference. Good. But, but it, 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 to help these guys, you know, when you're out there, help each, every soldier, even the women. See, I have a car, and I have on the side there watch the women, the service women, too. Because without them, in the front lines, they were there. When I was fighting in Italy, I had sisters. There was women that was uh, nurses and everything help you out. And people don't re- recognize the women, but there's a lot of women that did a lot for this country, too. Even if they got one guy and took him back and took care of him, that's all we want. Yep. But, but you got to remember the women. You remember the, uh, all nationalities they fought. Did you know that... In World War II, the Japanese had a division that fought against against Germany. Really? Uh, in my that. division, I was in. If anybody wants to look up a record, 34th Infantry Division, about the Casino and Anzio, 
that the Japanese helped us fight the war in, in Italy. Wow. So people, did you know that? No. no. Well, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, there's some, some Japanese guys are good. Yep. They helped out. There's a, a lot of Italians. They're good. They, you know, but you got to remember, people, people don't re realize that what's going on in the world. Now, how many people would know that the Japanese helped us out? I, I didn't know that, and I, I study and read and a I lot know, of history. I've seen them there. Wow. Now, have you ever been back to Europe? No. I no? Well, listen to me carefully. There's a lot of things to say. You go go back, go back. I don't go back to where I was captured, gotcha. fought, and guys got killed. What what am I? It's, it's been a thing that sure you remember to talk about it, but you don't go back to where you you had bad time. Gotcha. You don't want to face bad, that, that bad. sad time. There's Understood. a lot of lot of stories in the naked city now. And there was a guy. I'm going to tell you a story that happened. I was going to school. I was in se second. Uh, Second class in in high school, and on the daily on the wreck the the newspaper, the headlines were the a ship was split in half, a liberty ship. Gotcha. So I read that. So when I got on a ship, it was a liberty ship, and you don't think it bothered me. Sure. To, to remember that the. Going across the street, I'm only 18 years old, that the ship's split in half. Yep, you're going across the ocean and you're yeah. worried about that. Am I right? Now, on a brighter note, earlier you told us you carried an M1, tons of ammo, a bayonet, and a lot of uh, and hand grenades. Hand grenades? Yeah. Yeah, and food. <laughs> and food. What was it? It was a K rations? K rations, yeah. Were they horrible? Uh, no. No, they were uh, good? Uh, when you eat without a spoon or knife, that's the thing. <laughs> no, no food is bad. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there was another story I have to tell you. Tell us. There was a guy who, in, in World War Two, He got shot down. And what happened in Berlin? And I uh, was going to high school, and I see the, the paper. Oscar Hilly. I know the guy. Oscar Hilly got shot down in, uh, in uh, Germany. Well, years go by. I become a prisoner. And I said, oh... Oscar Hilly is there. So what happened? They moved the prisoners of war from Berlin to our camp. I was in a camp there, and they they bombed too much of the railroad tracks there that we didn't go to, to work, and I stood in the camp and walked around, and the officers were on another place. They never put officers where. And as we said, they go by, they say, where are you from? So one guy says, oh, this, this, and one guy, it's Oscar Hilly. He thought I was my brother Sammy, ah. and uh, and uh, I said it's real. And he he said, oh, I said you need as you walk, you can't stand still. You got to keep walking. And as you go walking, the guys would say, well, you need anything? Because I used to go out to work and I could get stuff. So they need a knife because in the prison camp you get eight men on the loaf of bread. Now the guy that gets the last piece, he's got to be the guy that cuts the bread. So sometimes you don't have a knife. You have to break it. So he did. They, he needed a knife. So what happened? I went to work two days later, and I went. To, they bombed the building, and I found the, this knife. I took the knife. I, I put it underneath my shoe because it was a wooden shoe that I wore. And, and I walked. I walked with a limp, and the guard thought I got hurt. So they let me in a prison camp so they didn't search me that way. Uh -huh. So when I got in there, Next days or so, 
walking by. I says, I got the knife. Got it. As they talked, they made a commotion there. Down the other end, I took the knife and threw. They were like uh, one car passed that they had and, and separate. So I threw the knife over. He got the knife, right? So uh, years go by. I'm a bartender at the Knights of Columbus. And uh, the guys that were talking, he said, Oscar Hilly. So you guys know Oscar Hilly? He says, oh, yeah. He, he's, he's, uh, I said, you guys know where he lives? He said, he was our boss. He's living out in South Jersey. I said, he's my friend. I said, I seen him in the war. I gave him a knife. I got, the, got in touch with him. No way. Got in touch with him. He came up from the south, came up to here. He came with the knife. He still had the knife? He said, but he wouldn't give it to me. Oh, no. So then it was my birthday, the 70th birthday. He came up again, and he, ga and he gave me a knife. But it wasn't that knife. Uh -huh. He gave me another knife. Okay. So this is what happened. Wow. That's a, oh, 52 years later. So 52 years later. It was quite a risk you took oh, for that yeah. knife. Well, that's yeah. what you did for the, each the other, knife. right? Yeah. You took risks for each other. That's oh, the yeah. way it was. Yeah. Well, you had See, like I always said right from the beginning, you've got to have the buddy system. They, you, a guy can't live without a friend. You guy, you know, you pick out your friend. Yep. There, there's a lot of guys say they have friends, but there's a lot of alone. So you said something important to me. You said there's no 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 food is bad food, because you went as a prisoner of war. Yeah. You went hungry for days and weeks. Right. Right. And you, and you know, so imagine the young kids today, how picky they oh, are. Yeah. I won't eat this. I don't like that. I don't want this. We'll be right back. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience. It makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra-wide ports so two people can stand side-by-side side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well-lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well-lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out, and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled, which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction, and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50-yard range, to your left, you'll see our large classroom, and go back up to the concierge and make a right. We have two smaller classrooms. And those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes, our Build-A-Bear, building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids and they'll do a handoff. 
to me it's very important that people are treated like family so the bathrooms are very high-end we use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in when you exit the bathroom you'll see the gun for hire radio studio where sandy and i tape our show after you pass that and you make a left you'll notice our retail area over 120 firearms for rent as you turn 180 degrees you see the large sections of bulletproof glass that's our 25 yard range and inside our 25 yard range we have 13 ports those ports are even wider than the 50 yard range both ranges have full-time range safety officers in case you have any questions or concerns they're there to help you with the news events and political shenanigans impacting your freedom you're listening to gun for hire radio the most listened to second amendment broadcast in the nation Listen, guys and girls, I want to talk right now. If anybody has any horror stories, horror stories traveling through the airport with firearms, send uh, an email to Anthony at Gun for Hire or info at Gun for Hire Radio. I have a great story by Jeff Dorman I'm going to share next week, and we're going to be discussing traveling with firearms through the airport. Okay, I also got this great guy captain tommy g that has a call to action all right they're going through all kinds of trouble in indianapolis uh with trying to shut gun ranges down and it's uh it's really really a problem so i'm going to be posting it online and i would like everybody to check out uh, my website because there's going to be a call to action they're trying to uh get rid of uh gut you know they're trying to stop gun ranges from opening in indiana the council's trying to do it and uh the governor and everybody else so they're under attack and we're going to get into that the last thing i want to talk about is loyalty you see with uh Vito was just talking about here about you need friends and you need to have loyalty and you need to have honor. These are things that are disappearing today. Young people from teenagers up, you know what parents, this is your job too. Teach your kids to thank a veteran, to honor a vet, to to honor uh, our, our deceased veterans that gave it all on Memorial Day, as uh, Vito was saying here. It is so important that we remember that. But loyalty is a dying thing. Doc, you know, I've been in this game for 27 years. Have I ever not answered a question for you? Just the epitome of being courteous. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, I've been doing this for 27 years. I'm there for everybody, right, Vito? I answer questions. I follow up. I help people out. They come in here. And now the past couple of months I've been noticing online that there's no more loyalty anymore. People turning their back on me, going to other places, disparaging me. People that I went out of my way for. And it's, it's disappointing when you see it. I'm talking about good customers that for years I helped them through stuff with legal matters. And, and personal problems and gun problems and, you know, let Jimmy fix it, no charge. Let Kevin fix it, no charge. Let Gary fix it, no charge. And then I see them posting that they're in other places and stuff. I'll tell you, it's a real slap in the face, you know. It's been happening a lot. And you know what? When the new editions open, I have a good memory. But it, it's just a shame. Like, I ask all the time for people to go on all my social media platforms, give me some five-star reviews, give us some shout-outs and stuff. But I guess I'm a dying breed like Vito right here, that that honor and that loyalty and sense of family is disappearing rapidly. Go ahead, Doc. When you say that you welcome people here as members of your family, 
I can attest that that is 100% accurate, and yeah. I've been here since the beginning. I, I And I appreciate that. It's just a little bit of a slap in the face, but, you know, I guess shame on me because I think everybody is like me, and that's yeah. a r- problem, right, Vito? We think everybody is yeah, honorable yeah. like us, it but it be. backfires. It, it doesn't cost you anything. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah but a, some people just don't have the morality. So going... Is, Friendship is a great thing to have. Correct. So going yeah. back full circle, you people out there with kids and everybody, teach your kids. Pat somebody on the back. You, you don't necessarily have to buy them lunch or dinner. Listen, I just, I thank, I thank people for the service. Know what the best response I get from people, Vito? Right. I've had service members, I say, thank you, for my, thank you for your service. And you know what they say? You were worth it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love hearing that. You were worth it. You know what I mean? You were worth fighting for. God bless America. So go ahead. The microphone's all yours for the rest of the show, Rockstar. All right. Now I'm going to tell you a story. All Hit right. Me. Now this is a story that uh, I want to tell. There's a, the war was out, right? I'm home. And there's a, there's a news reporter that I knew and everything. She, uh, she wrote an article about me in the paper. And as we talked, she knows a girl from Holland, right? And what happened? She has a father that was a prisoner of war. And so she heard me talking. She heard her talking from Holland. They were friends. And they, she put two together that she wants to get in touch with me. So we got to in touch with me. And guess what happened? This guy was in the same time I was the Christmas and in the prison camp. And he was there at the same time I was. He gave his name and stuff like that, and he named everything. I named everything. So we got to know each other from Ireland. So she came over, her husband told her to come over and see me, and came over and brought a picture and everything like that. And this is a guy, we were in the prison camp from Holland and me, and it, we, she wrote a story. And she came over this, to the country. I took her out to eat in New York City. She came over Did my you house. Did you meet her in Aruba? Yeah, no, I, I, she came from Holland, but from from East Rutherford in Carlston. That's where we we. She came from another town, Hillsdale, and she and I came from uh, Washington Township, and we got to know each other. So she knew the girl over there. Put two and two together. She came over from Holland to come and see me, and her father told her come over there. I gave him a hat to go to. When she came over, I took her to New York to eat and everything, and then she went back with a hat, with a Yankee hat. For her father, the husband died last year. Uh. Yeah, see, he was 90-some years old, too. See, all these guys are dead, you know. But but these are the stories that happened that you'd be surprised. Did you bring anything home with you? Any guns or knives or anything? I still got a sword. God bless. Good, good, good. I got a German sword. Nice. A little war. They they don't let our veterans bring stuff back today. No, I... Well, well, uh, listen to me carefully. When you're in the front lines or anything like that, never touch anything. You know why? Booby traps. Ah, yeah. There's many guys, they've seen a guy lying down, a wristwatch... Go grab the wristwatch. That was dramatic. That uh, no, he's good. People, no, it's the truth. The, when you're when you're in the front lines, yep. you you got to be very careful. When you see a guy dead or something like that, you don't go try, try to search him, because a guy will be trapped. That's all. And 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 it happens. People don't come back. 
So she, let me ask you, how happy was your mother to see you when you came my home? My mother was, she, she, she made the chickens every day for me, but <laughs> for the, for the, she passed away from it. Yeah? Yeah. 60 chickens, right? Yeah, 60 chickens. But I didn't eat a whole chicken. I ate parts of the chicken. And then me and my friend Funzi, we lived in the same town. We went to people, we had a book. Where we were going this Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, and we were eating every day. And we and I went from from that from the one thirty, I went up to two hundred nineteen pounds. <laughs> I can't believe it, man. Yeah. That's a great achievement. But oh, yeah. but so you retired. You have two daughters. I, I have spoke two daughters. to do Cindy. It's Cindy and Tori. They take care of me. If if you ever have children, if you got good kids, and they listen to you and they back you up, there's nothing. I got a good family, got really good relatives. They help me. My my friend Mike, uh -huh. Mike, Mike, your nephew. Yes. Very good. Treats me like a king. Mike, uh, Mike wheeled the uh, veto in, set him up. It, it does everything for me. It does everything for me. Seems right. like see that's family, that's unity, that's that's what America was that's, built on. That, that's what it's all about. But if you have family, family, familia prima, Italian, familia prima, family comes first. Family comes first. And the soldiers come next. Yes. And the soldiers, I still, I, I came here because we were talking about service. He asked me, he goes, all right, I tell the stories and stuff like that. Sometimes it's, it's you know, I hate to tell, tell the story, but I can't say everything. Sure. Yeah, this is, this is it. Like, like you talk to a guy, guy says, oh, you don't want to say nothing. Well, sometimes the guy don't, never been there. So when you say a thing, it hurts you sometimes. You know, you know what I mean. No, I understand. Yeah. I understand. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to relive it. I'm I'm ninety ninety four years old. I got a lot of feelings still yet. We can I can hear the emotion in your voice yeah. when you were talking. Listen, I'm 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 not a veteran, but when I visited Arlington Cemetery and right. I visited Normandy, I cried. That's right. I cried. There's something electric about that. Don't forget these guys that gave their life so we can people. You know, when you like going to jail. In, in the United States, the guy get does something and goes to jail. He got his three square meals a day. He got a shower. I didn't take a shower for three months. Oh my God, Vito! Right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. God bless America. Independence Day, respect Memorial Day, respect our veterans out there. You heard it right from Vito here. We got a ton of classes. I'll cover all of that next week. This was a special Independence Day show. It's the next show is not going to come out. You know, for a week and a half, so everybody get over it. But uh, thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Uh, T. You were the best. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure that you bring stuff like this up because it helps a lot of people. They start thinking and use your head when you do things. Thank you, sir. Glad Sandy, we met Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Brian Tance, NewYorkSmile.com. Thank you. He, he thank was you. my pal. He talked to me an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's because he still respects his elders. No, no. He was raised right. <laughs> no, but that's true. I was over there, you know, and sitting there, and you know, you don't know if, who you, if people are going to talk to you, what you're going to talk about, and that, but it was good. I would have spoken to you sooner. My girlfriend said, "Don't bother you." Come on, we're we're taking you to Vegas, I'll Vito. Come, I'll come here to bring you here today. Tell I miss it. Well, looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hour Radio. Gun for Hour Radio is a Karen Think Media production. The music is in this broadcast is managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. 
On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. Remember, guys, each one reach one. We're making a, we're making a, a little bit of headway here in Jersey. Uh, thank you, NJ2AS. And uh, happy Independence Day. And remember, it is Independence Day, not just the 4th of July. We love you guys. Vito, thank you so much. See you next week.